not prepared. It's lighting the way. It's lighting the way. I don't know what I would do without the Lord. So tonight I want you to help me preach. The, the folks up around our area, sometimes I turn on the radio and I listen to them preach and every now and then I hear them say, can I get a witness? Hallelujah. Have you ever heard that? They'll say, can I get a witness? And everybody will say, oh, hallelujah, amen. So tonight I want a witness in this place. I'd like a witness of the Holy Ghost to fill this place. Amen. Every space, I don't want an empty chair. You say, Brother Willis, there's not enough people to fill the chairs. There's enough Holy Ghost in this place tonight. The Bible said the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that hear him. He's right there supplying our each and every need. So tonight, there's angels all over this place. Amen. I said there's angels where you're at. There's angels where I'm at. They're in this place tonight to help us preach and teach and worship and glorify Jesus Christ. I want you to turn with me again to the Old Testament tonight. I love the Old Testament. The Bible said that it is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. I never did much when I was a boy like the schoolmaster. As a matter of fact, I didn't like the trips to the office. I didn't like bending over the desk and it wasn't to pick up a pencil. I didn't like that. But, oh, friend, did it make a difference in my life. Thank God tonight that the Lord can make a difference in our life. Let's go tonight to 2 Samuel, if you would, to the word of the Lord. I want to read tonight from chapter number 6 of 2 Samuel. And I hope that I can bless your heart as I feel the word of God in my soul tonight. 2 Samuel chapter number 6. And let me read starting at verse number 17 or verse number 13, pardon me. If you would, why don't you just read right along with me through and including verse number 16 tonight. I'm sure you could do that. Let's read. And it was so that when they bear the ark of the Lord, when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might and David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. Michael and Michelle, Saul's daughter, looked through the window and saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord and she despised him in her heart. And she saw him leaping before the Lord and dancing, and she despised him in her heart. Amen. Tonight, would you bow your head with me in a word of prayer? Master, I need you tonight greater than I've ever needed you in a long time. And I want you to help me tonight minister the word of God, not minister just to the heads of men, but to the heart of men tonight. And Lord, let everybody in this building tonight become a participant in the word of God, in worship and in praise and in adoration that they can feel the glory of God moving down inside of their heart. Anoint these words in Jesus' name. Amen, God, and amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. He's a mighty, mighty, mighty good God. A mighty good God. The Bible tells us the good and bad about David. Isn't that something that the Bible would be so explicit and so plain? 
to tell us not only the good points of a man reciting the word of God that David was a man after God's own heart, but it also showed us the downfalls that David had. He was not always a man that was, what should I say, entrenched in worshiping and praising God. For David, the times the Spirit of the Lord would move on him, and David would become a powerful, powerful man in the hands of God. But then the time of his human weakness would arise in David, and David would make a mistake. But there was one thing that David knew how to do. David knew how to go to God and pour his heart out before the Lord. And he would say to God, God, I have sinned. I've done wrong. I've miscued. There's something in my life that's went astray. And he would always go before God weeping and, and bringing a spirit of repentance before God. And thus God said about David, he's a man after my own heart. I love David. I like his spirit. I I like his attitude. I like his musical accomplishments, the Lord said. Someone said that David was a creator of numerous instruments that he used to praise the Lord with. What a mighty, mighty man that David was. But his predecessor before David was not quite so. Even though he was a man that was head and shoulders and chosen by God himself to be the deliverer, the leader of the children of God, even though they seemingly had rejected the Lord they said to God, God, we want somebody to be a king over us like we can be like other nations. That's our problem sometimes. We want to be like everybody else. But I'm telling you what, we're not like everybody else. The Bible said that we're a royal priesthood and a chosen generation. Amen. We tonight are a born-again people that are different from the rest of the world. And Saul was a different kind of man. Even though he was chosen by God, even though he stood tall and proud and walked with his head held high, there was weaknesses in Saul that he could not overcome. And one of the things was that he would not do what God told him to do. When God told him to utterly destroy Amalek, Saul did not destroy Amalek, but he brought back King Agag alive, and he brought back the sheep and the oxen that he should have done away with. And the man of God came to him and said to him, hey man, what are you doing? He said, I've done all that the Lord's commanded me to do. And the man of God said, what's this lowing of the oxen and the bleeding of the sheep that I hear? What is this? You've not done what I've commanded you to do. Amen. And thus God rejected him from being king over the children of Israel. Through his fall from God and Israel's transgression before the Lord, things progressively worse. They did not go any better. I want you to know tonight that sin is a downfall to any man. It does not matter friend how much money you have or what kind of poverty or squander you live in. Sin my friend will bring you so low. Someone said one time it'll take you farther than you want to go and it'll take you so far that you cannot get back. That's something about sin. And Saul went that way. The Bible said that he fell away from the Lord. It talks about the downfall of this man. But through his downfall Israel went downhill. The Bible said that they was invaded by the Philistines. And the Philistines came into the house of God while old fat Eli sat on his chair. And Hophni and Phinehas, his sons, committed whoredoms in the house of God. I want you to know tonight, this is a holy church. It is a righteous church. It is a godly church. Amen. God brought us out of sin. And that's the way he 
intends for us to live. But as they committed whoredoms in the house of God, the Bible tells me that the, the, the Philistines came in and they overrun the city. Why? Because they heard the rejoicing around the ark of God. They was afraid that that ark would rally Israel to the place that they would be utterly destroyed. I want you to know tonight, friend, there's nothing rallies me like the name of Jesus Christ. It's a name above all names. I, I can rejoice in that. Did not the writer say, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me? Praise God. Absolutely everything. And the Philistines came in. The old fat Eli fell off the chair backwards and literally broke his neck when he heard what had transpired in Israel, that the house of God was desecrated and that they had taken away the Ark of the Covenant, that blessed Ark made out of shittim wood that was overlaid with coal. On top of it was a mercy seat and on that was two cherubims with their wings going out over the mercy seat. In each corner of that Ark, there were staves which were also made out of shit and wood that were overlaid with coal. That was the purpose of bearing that ark from place to place. And only those who were holy were allowed to pick up that ark and carry it. Only those who were holy were allowed to transport that thing. I want you to know tonight the world is trying to hang on to something that's holy and they don't know how. But there's something about the church. It has got a hold of something today that is righteous and is holy and it's godly. Amen. And we're learning every day how to transport it in the name of Jesus Christ. Glory be to God. And the Philistines carried this blessed Ark of the Covenant away. Somebody said, oh my. For they thought there was a mystical power in that Ark. They thought possibly that little box overlaid with cold with a mercy seat and those beautiful cherubims with their wings facing each other. They thought, my, if we had that, everything would be fine. If we'd put that in the house of Dagon, if we'd take it to Ashdod and put it there with that old Dagon, we would have all kinds of power. You say they had saw the church under the influence of God's power. They had saw them fight battles when it looked like they were certainly going to be defeated. Amen. But seemed like something about that mystical box stepped in and helped them. May I say right now, it was not the box that helped them, but it was the God that dwelt in between the two cherubims right about the mercy seat. Amen. That was the thing that helped them. And the Bible said, if God be for us, who can be against us? We are trusting in a power tonight. Amen. That we cannot see. We don't pack it around with stays, but it lives inside the heart of a born again child of God. Amen. So they said we will take this blessed box and we will take it to Ashdod and put it in front of Dagon. And surely it will double our power. You know, if they said, if you can't lick them, the world says, join them. That's not the case, my friend, when it comes to God. Hey, man, you don't join the world in any fashion. The Bible said, come out from amongst them and be a separate people, saith the Lord. The scripture said that there is a difference between the holy and the profane. There's a difference between the church, hey, man, and the world, what they call church. For it's not just going to church through form and ritual and fashion that makes a man different but it's the precious covering of the blood of Jesus Christ that washes over him every service. That camp meeting, it comes through like a tidal wave of God's 
divine power. The Japanese call it tsunami. But when that thing comes through and washes over men and women, it makes them do things they would not normally do. I've seen grandmothers who could not walk get up and begin to dance in the spirit. I saw children get so drunk in God that they didn't know where they was at. I saw the little old mean Billy get the baptism of the Holy Ghost and it makes a difference in his life. There's something about this thing that's different than anything the world's got. Hallelujah. And they put it in the house of Dagon feeling like it would double their power. But there was no doubling of their power because in his name every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when they came back in in the morning, something was wrong. Dagon had fell off of his pedestal. He was laying prostrate at the altar, prostrate at the covenant. And they said, well, somebody surely has done this in the middle of the night. They picked him back up and set him on his pedestal again. The next day when they came back. Things were not any better than they were the day before. Amen. Again, this idol God had fallen. Amen. In face of God. May I say that's the most movement they ever saw out of that God. That's the most movement they ever saw out of that piece of stone. Amen. Friend, our God can make the earth shake. Our God can make the weeds blow. Our God, my friend, can make the earth move. That's something about the God that I'm serving tonight. He can do things that nobody else can do. He's God and he will not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's still Christ. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like preaching tonight. Glory be to God. And there was something wrong. They could not figure it out. When they set him back up and went back in the third time, Hey man, when the next morning came, there was something different about their Dagon. He was a fly god, you know that? That's what he was. And there was something different about him. His head was broken off. His arms was broken off. I like that, friend. Hey man, if you fall on God, you're gonna be saved. But if he falls on you, he's gonna grind you to powder. Praise God. You have got to realize the power of this great and mighty God. And they sat there at Ashdod. Amen. Something's going on around here. This thing is not as magical as we thought. We better pack this thing up. And so the Bible said they packed it up and they took it to the city of Gath. Maybe they thought everything would be all right in Gath. You see, Gath was where Goliath came from. And Gath was a city of giants. They thought probably the physical power of those men could squelch the power that was in that little box. But may I say tonight, neither height nor depth nor principalities things present or things to come can slow down the power of the mighty God. Put him where you want to put him. Seal him where you want to seal him. Amen. The devil found that out when he sealed him in the tomb. And they said, make it as safe as you can. But on the third day, I said on the whole, my God, on the third day, there came forth resurrection and the devil could not hold him. Holy, lift your hands and glorify God. Things were not well in Gath either. The city of giants could not stand up under the power of the mighty king. They couldn't do that. For you see, this is not physical strength we're talking about tonight. It's not the girth of a man's muscle. Hey man, you hear me tonight. 
It's not the girth of a man's bicep or tricep, amen, that moves God. But it's the softness of his heart. When a man gets before the king and says to God, I love you, they can get something done in the presence of the Lord. And the Bible said that God smote them in Gath. The Bible said in their secret parts with emrods. You can look that up and see what emrods is. But it was a terrible situation. And they said, we've got to get this thing out of Gath. We cannot solve the problem here. And so they said, let's just take it on over here to Ekron. Hey Amen. The folks at Ekron wouldn't mind us bringing it here. But when they saw the Philistines coming, hey amen, with that, with that Ark of the Covenant, they said, man, get that thing out of here. Hey amen. We don't want it around here. We already heard what happened in Ashdod. And we already heard what happened in Gath. Hey, get that thing out of here. I'm telling you what, folks. The world is trying to handle something that they do not know anything about. They're trying to do something with something they know nothing about. Friend, this thing will either kill you or it'll make you alive. I feel like tonight that it's wanting to make somebody alive. I feel like it's wanting to get a hold of somebody's heart. I feel like it's wanting to start somebody's soul. I feel like it's wanting to change somebody, somewhere, somehow, in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. And after the tremendous plagues brought by those holding the ark that had no business holding it, they said, we'll take it over to Beth Shemesh. We'll give it back to them folks. And so they took them and they made a new cart. And they took milk kind and they set the Ark of the Covenant on that milk cart. And they took it over to Beth Shemesh. And they said, man, them folks were happy to have it. They said, we don't want anything to do with this. Beth Shemesh was between them and Israel. They said, we want you folks to have this. Oh my, they were thrilled about having the Ark of the Covenant. But then they said within themselves, you know, this is pretty nice to have the Ark of the Covenant. It's so nice to have something so holy and so fine. Hey Amen. Wouldn't it be nice to see what's on the inside? May I say to you tonight that John the Revelator wrote some things down that God did not want us to look at. For God told John, seal it up. Hey Amen. I don't want you looking in that yet. Hey Amen. When I get ready, I'll fling the door of heaven open wide and I'll strut my stuff down the street of pure cold and I'll show you everything that I want to show you. I'll reveal to you everything that I want you to see. I'll open your understanding then. But John, shut it up and don't write it in the book. The minute Beth Shemesh said, well, we might as well open this thing up and see what's on the inside. May I say they remind me of this modern philosophy of our age. Men are trying to figure God out, to see what's on the inside of God, to figure him out. May I say there is not a mathematical equation there is not calculus that goes high enough to figure out the longitude and latitude and the greatness of my God. For God that's heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool is a mighty God. And the same God that fixed heaven is throne and earth is footstool encompasses every one of us and moves inside of us. I am not going to try to figure him out. But I tell you what I'm going to do. I want to be a recipient of the blessing of God Almighty. And every time I come to church I want God to fill me up from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet with his divine power let the dew of heaven fall on me blessed Holy Spirit won't you come and take control oh hallelujah 
When the men looked inside the blessed ark, the Bible said that 50,070 50, men died that day because you better leave God's stuff alone. Amen. I said, you better leave God's stuff alone. What God said is holy, is holy, and will be holy still. What God has set aside belongs to God. You folks that don't pay tithes better start paying tithes. Praise God. Amen. Because that's holy unto the Lord. I'm telling you, that's holy unto the Lord. Amen. And so we find in the word of God, amen, that after 50,070 men died, amen, that David heard, praise God, that the ark of God was down, amen, in Beth Shemesh. And so they said, here's what we're going to do. Amen. They took the cart from Beth Shemesh and they moved it to the house of Abinadab. And for 20 long years, that house, amen, of Abinadab was blessed. Any house that you put God in is going to be blessed. May I say you can buy anything you want to and put it in your house and it will not bless you. A refrigerator will make it more comfortable to live. Amen. For have cold food. The air conditioner can stop the sweltering heat of the winter time. Amen. But it will not help your soul. Let me tell you something tonight. There's one thing that you can get in your house that will not be a minus but will be a plus. Listen what I'm telling you tonight. It's Jesus Christ. What you've got to do is get him down inside of your soul. Amen. He'll bless every household and make a difference in your life. I can do without Sylvester Stallone, but I can't do without Jesus. I'm going to preach to you in a minute tonight. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so for 20 years, that, that house of Abinadab was blessed, folks. Man, David heard that the house of Abinadab was blessed. Oh my, how he longed that Israel would be blessed. How he longed that he could get that ark and bring it back, amen, and worship and glorify God in Israel once again. And so he said, here's what we're going to do. We're going down there to the house of Abinadab. And he began to inquire, how did they bring the ark where it is? You see, David was really not familiar with the transport of the ark. He wasn't familiar that it was only to be borne upon the shoulders of holy men. He was not familiar that it was not to be hauled on a milk cart. He was not familiar with the fact of how it was to be born. That's the problem with our society today. They're not familiar with how the Holy Ghost is to be handled. They don't understand that. They think they can put it in a vessel that drinks and smokes and gambles and cusses. They think they can carry it around with the free spirit of love. They think they can put it in anything. But that's not true. I'm telling you that's not true. God's church is a holy church. God's church is a righteous church. God's church is a godly church. God's church is a born again church. God's church loves him. Lift your hands and worship him again. David got a high hole and Uzzah, the sons of Abinadab, and he said, boys, we're going to put this on a new cart like the Philistines did. And we're going to transport it back to Israel. And everything's going to be all right. And so they did just that very thing. The Bible said a high hole ran before the cart for a little while and they probably traded off. 
Hey man, as they went on down the road and they got a little bit far to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah just happened to be the man that was standing close to the cart. You know, oftentimes in that day, the roads were not smooth. They were kind of like some of our highways are today. I don't know where that tax money goes, ask your politicians, but I'd say, you know, they wasn't quite like they should have been. And they were going down by Nacon's threshing floor. And when they got there, my friend, hey man, the ark kind of shifted a little bit on the cart. Uzzah put his hand up to steady it and he touched it and when he did God struck him dead David could not understand that he was literally infuriated with God God why in the world did you strike Uzzah dead we're just bringing the cart back home that's what we're going to do but friend I want you to know there is a relative law in the word of God how it is to be transported there's a way in the word of God that is to be given I understand tonight that this ark can be likened to the baptism of the Holy Ghost because it makes such a difference in our life. It brings the consecration of God's divine power to us on a personal basis. When we come to God and receive God's divine spirit, something overshadows us from the crown of our head to the sole of our feet and we become a new creature in Christ. All things are passed away and behold, all things become new. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to preach here in a minute. Praise God. So they took that ark. Amen. And I said, well, that's not evidently the way to transport it. But David said, I want to take it home with me. I want to get it home so bad I don't hardly know what to do. I want to take it back where I can be close to it. And I want to take it back where it can be close to me. Please, I've got to get this ark back home. And there at the thrashing floor, Nacon's thrashing floor, such a tragedy happened. And David said, oh my, it looks like everything's against me. It looks like I shouldn't have this thing. The devil would like to tell everybody in this building tonight that God does not want you to have his blessings present in your life. But that is an absolute lie. Hey man, what are we going to do? They took the ark of God then, hey man, from Nacon's thrashing floor. And they took it to the household of Obed-Edom. I'm telling you, friend, there was something about that thing that brought blessings and there it stayed at the house of Obed-Edom until they made their mind up and began to read in the word of God for the word of God explicitly tells them how to carry that cart, how to carry that ark, it tells them word for word, amen, so they said one day, David said boys here's what we're going to do we're going to get us some men together, I want me about ten men that believes in shouting tonight I want you to come up here and stand in in front of this altar. We're going to have church tonight. I want to preach to you a little bit. Somebody said, oh, preacher, hey man, there's nothing else left to shout about. I'm telling you what, there's a lot left to shout about. Hey man, I don't have to hang my head in this modern society. I'm telling you, I'm in a church that's on fire. I'm in a church that's been baptized with the power of God. We are not, friend, a passing thought, but we are the church that was born on the day of Pentecost filled with God's divine presence. Stay with me, gentlemen, tonight, just a moment. So they brought that ark to the house of Obed-Edom. Amen. And there it stayed for quite some time. Now David said, 
Here's what we're going to do. We're going to the house of Obed-Edom because his house has been blessed. Amen. And we're going to bring the ark of God back to the city of David. We're going to bring it back. Now I want you to know when David got his entourage of men together and he told the men, said, get me some priests. And those priests put on their clerical garments and they got ready to go where the ark of God was. You see, he read in the word of God that it was to be borne upon the shoulders of the Levitical tribe. These men were to be holy men and godly men, amen, that loved God with all of their heart. And so they went to the house of Obed-Hedah. And David said, guys, here's what we're going to do. He said, bringing this thing back is going to change our lives. Bringing apostolic restoration back will change our world. Somebody said, preacher, it'll never happen. It might never happen, but I'm not going to stop trying. I want my children to be raised apostolic. I want my grandbabies to be raised apostolic. I want my mothers and fathers to know, amen, that this thing is real, that it will not change, that it's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that God is still on the throne of Israel. Oh, hallelujah. And so David said, get ready. But now back home, it was a different story. Back home, things were a little bit different. For Saul's daughter had perched herself in the window. She sat up there like a big old stuffed canary. She was going to watch everything that went on. She wanted to see how dignified they were going to be. She wanted to see if everything was done according to religious protocol. She wanted to see if everything was carried out decently and in order according to her. But you see, she had been raised in a family of carnality. She had watched a carnal father miss the the move of God many, many times. She was not like David. Amen. David was a man after God's own heart. But now his wife, Michael, was a little bit different. You see, she looked to the carnal side. And so she perched her fat self up there in that window. Amen. She'd eaten all them Twinkies. Amen. And all them big rolls and donuts. She said, I'm just going to watch and see. May I say tonight, it's about time we get out of our windows. Praise be to God. The Pizza Hut truck pulled up and delivered two large pizzas. Run down, servant, to get me a couple Big Macs. I'm going to have me a time sitting here in the windowsill watching this entourage that's going to bring back the ark. We're going to have ourselves a time. Some people call that church when they go and sit so piously in the pew. When they sit there with folded hands and listen to the choir sing just as I am, that's the way they come in and that's just the way they leave, just as they are. Hey man, listen to me tonight. I'm going to preach to you. I feel like preaching, my God. Hey man. And they come in there and they just sit with folded hands. I'm going to tell you something. There's some folks in here tonight that did not come with folded hands. There's some folks in here tonight that have a dance in their feet and a shout in their soul. There's some folks in here tonight Bless God, I'm telling you, you let the Holy Ghost move and they're going to, hallelujah, they're going to have themselves a Holy Ghost time. Good God Almighty. Woo, hallelujah. Gee, 
Jesus, Jesus, do you feel what I feel? Do you feel what I feel? I'm telling you, the ark's coming back home, and we're going to have ourselves a time. Jesus, I don't know what I can do this or not. I'm telling you, hallelujah. David said, fellas, when we bring the ark back, we're not just going to pick it up and run. We're going to have some worship. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm tired of coming through the door. A little prayer and two songs. No worship. A little canned sermon. And that's it. I'm tired of that. Bless God. Oh, hallelujah. Amen, Phyllis. When we bring this ark back home, amen, we're just going to light up behind. Oh, my God, I feel like bringing it back. Praise God. So they went down to the household, Obed Edom. Amen. They, they said, now there it is. And they picked him out, the priest, four men. One, two, three, four. Get over here. Bless God. Stand in order, boys. I need two in the front. Bless God. And two in the back here, side by side. You know what? David was so happy. Somebody said, oh, he was a king. He was so dignified. Let me tell you something, friend. I had an old boy at home several years ago. He said, I'll tell you when I get the Holy Ghost, I'm not going to roll on the floor and I'm not going to dance in the spirit. I saw God use him as a mop. Hallelujah. God rolled him from the front of the church to the back of the church to the front of the church to the back of the church. Oh, my God. It's about time we lay away our personal dignity and let the Holy Ghost turn us on. It's about time. Oh, my God. It's about time we Shout about this thing. Be thrilled about this thing. And glorify my God, Jesus Christ. Oh, yes. Jesus, Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, shout hallelujah. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord. And David said, boys, we're going to bring this thing. We're not going to pick it up and run with it. This is important business tonight. I'm on business for the king. I didn't come to Allah to have another place to preach. But I come on business for the king. Somebody said camp meeting's going on in Allah. And you know what? I believe it tonight. I believe there's a camp meeting spirit. I believe there's a camp meeting God. I believe there's some camp meeting folks. I believe there's somebody who wants to worship God. Somebody don't care about getting messed up. They want to get blessed up. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Holy Peter God. Amen. Mm, mm, mm. Jesus, I love you tonight. And so David said, boys, pick up the ark. Mm -mm. Line up, boys. You got your sax, yeah? You got your... Who's got a saxophone here? Where's that saxophone player? Good God. That's you? You got another one? Come up here. Get up here. Hurry. Amen. We got a tambourine tonight. And surely at an apostolic meeting, you got a tambourine. You ain't got that refined, have you? I know you can't tune them, but it don't matter. Oh, hallelujah. Some of you, you can't tune either. Bless God, but we still worship the Lord, don't we? Hallelujah. 
Amen. All right, here we go now. We better turn around and go this way. I'll get in front of that speaker and we'll mess up. Where's our horn player? Come on, get over here. Bless God, why don't you lead us? Right here. You don't have to blow it. Good Lord, I've gone save my ears, son. Come on. All right. Now it's bringing it back home. Let's go just a few paces, boys. Let's go. One, two, how many was it? How many did it say in the Word of God? Six paces? Here we go. Oh, one. Don't get in a hurry. We're going to worship God. Two. Mm, mm, mm. Three. Oh, can't you feel it? Four. My God. Five. Now listen, we're going to have a time. Number saw. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what. They begin to worship, sacrifice, praise God. Woo! Seven begin to turn them on. They begin to have church that day. Oh, hallelujah. Stay right there, guys. Listen to me now. Listen to me now. The Bible said that David danced before the Lord with all of his might. No. No. Oh, God. Let me tell this, and I'm going to go on. Hold on just a minute. I told, might have told you this when I was here seven years or so ago. Brother Postel, a black friend of ours, a good man. Brother Postel didn't have the Holy Ghost. Worked at General Motors, Dayton, Ohio. Brother Postel's won the Holy Ghost. He worked on the assembly line, putting together starters. They would bring a starter down the line. He'd put his little part in it, and he would push it on the line and say, God, I want the Holy Ghost. He'd done it, just kept doing it all day long. Want the Holy Ghost. Want the Holy Ghost. Pretty soon, the assembly line kept going, and they couldn't find Elder Postel. The starters were not getting the pieces in them. Amen. Oh, God. Now, wait a minute. They went back to the spot on the assembly line where Brother Postel was. He was laying there in the floor, speaking in tongues, glorifying God. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. They, they, listen to this. They called the medical team. They picked Brother Postel up. They put him on a gurney. They rolled him down to the medical room. He's still speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. They checked his blood pressure, but they couldn't get him to stay still long enough. They said, maybe he's having a seizure. No, his eyes don't look like he's having a seizure. Amen. One of the guys came by that was a foreman that was familiar with Pentecost. Amen. He looked in there and said, what are you doing? Said, man, this guy's having a fit. Said, leave him alone. Leave him alone. No. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to tell you, Brother Upton, he wasn't having a fit. He was having a benefit. Hallelujah. Whoa. My God, he danced before God with all of his might, with everything he had. I'm telling you, it didn't matter to him. He danced, he danced, he danced with everything he had. Good Jesus. I'm going to try to close it, but listen to this. Sitting in the window was that stuffed canary. Bless God Almighty. I'll probably fall and break my neck. She was watching down the road. What's going on? She heard the commotion. 
all of a sudden she saw a guy down the road that looked like King David. And she saw him unbutton his tunic. She saw him take off his priestly or his kingly garment. She said, of all the things, eat that Twinkie. <laughs> Sip that Pepsi. <laughs> of all the things, has he lost his mind? Oh, you wait till our entourage sees this. And all of a sudden, she saw him go six paces. She watched them, and the Holy Ghost hit King David, and he began to dance. My God. Woo! Hallelujah. Tambourine in hand. Kingly Carmen lay aside. Holy Ghost shaking him away. He began to dance. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. She kind of stood up and said, he's not going to hear the last of this. Straightened out her night robe. She hadn't even got dressed properly. She had been watching Wyatt Earp. Old David come back in the house. He wasn't sweating. He was perspiring. You sweat when you don't know God. You perspire when you do know him. Oh, God, help me finish tonight. I'm getting old. I'm almost 50. Hallelujah. She pulled David in the room. Come here. I got to talk to you. You lost your mind. Have you lost your dignity? Have you lost your kingly appearance? You're out there naked before these people. He had clothes on, but he just didn't have on that kingly tunic. Praise God. There you are out there like a commoner. Oh, Lord, I like this common salvation. There you are out there like a commoner. Amen. You know what she said? In essence, I'm embarrassed about you. You Pentecostals embarrass me. I'd go to church with you, but you embarrass me. When the Holy Ghost hits you, you embarrass me. When you dance in the Spirit, you embarrass me. Amen. David wiped the sweat off of his face. Amen. He looked at her and he said, Honey, if you think I was vowed today, you wait till I go back to the house of God tomorrow. I'm going to be more vile. I'm going to shout harder than I've ever shouted. I'm going to dance harder than I've ever danced. I'm going to worship more than I've ever worshipped. I'm going to have church. I believe there's some folks in here tonight that ought to break through and worship God. I want the musicians to pray. I want us to worship God tonight. We're in the house. Oh God, I want to dance harder than I've ever danced. I want to be more vile than I've ever been. I want to glorify God greater than I ever have. Come on tonight. Get out of that I want you to turn loose. Let a Pentecostal shout get a hold of you. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. This is camp meeting. We're going to have church tonight. Say oh, when I think of his goodness and what he's done for me.